This is Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary roughness. Unnecessary roughness. I think this, that somewhere within the first five to ten plays of the game, the other team's quarterback must go down. And he must go down hard. It's unnecessary roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Big hole. First down. End zone. Touchdown. Touchdown Raiders. Would you believe it? This is Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy, Q. And here we are, Raider Nation, live in studio for the next couple hours. Demon Cotton, your boy, Q. Unnecessary Roughness in your ear hole on this Wednesday, January 19th, 2022, off the heels of the JT The Brick Show that follows the morning tailgate. And, of course, we'll be followed by Vinny Bonsignor and Lincoln Kennedy in the huddle, 4 to 6 p.m. to close things out on this Wednesday and continue to roll through a week, a week where there's a lot of, I guess, expectations, a week where there's... I don't want to say anxiety. Anxiety is probably not the right word, but there's still, I think some folks kind of sitting on the edge of their seats, kind of wondering what's going to happen, who's going to shake out, who's going to come here, who's not going to go there. You know, what's going to happen? There's a lot of that going on right now, and that's what happens when you have an open GM spot and you have an interim head coach that's meeting with the owner today. As Rich Passaccia, it was reported earlier today that he's going to be meeting with uh, owner Mark Davis today to state his case on why he should stay on as the long-term head coach. And look, that conversation might be over already. It might still be going on. Have no idea. But we all know that Rich Passaccia is meeting with Mark Davis uh, today. That was something that he mentioned on Monday that he'd have another conversation. And so that's where we are right now. Don't like to speculate. Don't like to throw a lot of things out there until we have a little bit more evidence, a little bit uh, you know, more concrete so we're not going to just sit here and say, all right, maybe this is an exit interview. Maybe this is uh, we're going to solidify the deal here. I mean, just not going to do any of that. We'll just see how it all shakes out. And when we start hearing word, we'll pass that along as well. So uh, we're here for you. We got an action packed show and a couple things that we do know. As a matter of fact, there are some names that are on the, the interview request list as far as the GM position goes. And so that's what we'll address. And that's what we'll really talk about today, unless we get some kind of breaking news throughout the course of the show, which you never know. That could happen as well. We had that on Monday when the news about GM Mike Mayock getting let go was uh, was made official. That happened right during the middle of the show. So you never know what can happen in between what we have planned to happen and what we have planned to talk about and what we end up eventually talking about. But coming up at 2.30, our first guest of the show today, Phil Perry. He covers uh, the, the, the Patriots for NBCS Boston. Uh, he does a fantastic job with that. I uh, had him on many times when I talked to anything about the Patriots in doing any kind of preseason like conversation or, or just anything Patriots. Uh, Phil does a great job. Well, there's a couple Patriots that the Raiders have on their, I guess I'd call it wish list, you know, their interview request list. Uh, Gerard Mayo, the head coach. A lot of people think that that's not really a, a real interview, but I think it is. Gerard Mayo's getting a lot of attention across the league. Matter of fact, Denver, I believe, is meeting with them for the second time. The Bears have requested them. Multiple teams have requested Gerard Mayo. So let's not think that that's just a, like a Rooney Rule interview. I think that's a real deal uh, interview. Gerard Mayo's been a guy that the Raiders have requested. And then also Dave Ziegler, who you could say he's the player personnel guy. We'll get a better idea from uh, Phil Perry when we talk to him at 2.30 because we all know that Bill Belichick is the de facto GM there in New England. We all know everything starts and goes uh, and ends with uh, with Bill Belichick. So uh, Ziegler is a guy who I know is a player personnel dude. He's a guy that some, uh, some people think highly of across the league. We talked about him. That's a guy that the Raiders have requested an interview with. So we'll get a little bit of an in, inside 
idea of who Dave Ziegler is. And, you know, usually throughout the course of the regular season on Wednesdays, we start to turn the page, right? We start to look ahead to the next opponent up on the schedule. Well, now there's no opponent to look ahead to. So now we're starting to kind of break down and dissect these different names that we're hearing that uh, the interviews are, are coming in and the requests are being made by the Raiders to interview. So we'll start that off with Phil coming up at 2.30 to talk uh, about those Patriots both Gerard Mayo and Dave Ziegler. So that's a, that's a good way to get things started. I don't know. It feels like we're turning the page into the offseason. Well, I mean, that's what it is. We started turning the page to the offseason on Monday. You know No, I mean? but this is like the official. Let's right. get on people right. that are going to know about these GMs, these head coaching that's candidates. That's a good point. And it's just, I hate to say it, I hate that we're here. I, I wish mean, of they course. Were, yeah, well, I guess we all wish they were playing on Saturday right. or Sunday. But, ah, man, look at this. This is this is also exciting, too. And you said anxiety? No, I think people are anxious. Really? Because, no, uh, we've getting it in now. People, uh, with this, we don't want to rebuild. People don't want to rebuild. No, Some and, people, and they I, shouldn't. But I feel like, because like, anxiety, you think that it's too big of a word, but no. Because I feel like, let's say if somebody has an introductory press conference, we're going to rebuild this team up. Boy, people are going to be losing their minds. <laughs> right. Like, that's the one like, word not the to press say. Conference. Right. That's people the one word. Don't say rebuild at all. Again, that's that's a conversation that that should never be had with whoever ends up taking over that GM position. There should no way, no form be a rebuild in that conversation. So we'll talk to Phil Perry at 2.30 again from NBCS Boston, uh, covers the Patriots like a glove. Then at 3 o'clock, we'll continue to, I guess, turn the page to Mon as we'll talk to J.J. Stankovitz, Colts.com. He joined us earlier in the season to talk about the Colts when the Raiders were playing the Colts. This time, we'll also talk about a potential GM candidate who uh, the Raiders have made a request for in, uh, in Ed Dodds. He's a guy that actually has some ties with the Raiders, he was uh, he was an intern under Al Davis back in the day before he went off and really started to make a, a name for himself in the NFL. He's also a guy that we learned earlier today turned down the Bears. The Bears wanted to talk to him. They put in a request. I think they talked to him once, but they wanted to continue to have that conversation, and he withdrew his name. And he's done that before. He's done that with the Panthers as well. So this is a guy, in my opinion, who's very picky and choosy with where his next destination is going to be. Eyes on the prize. Because, you know, you don't want to take a bad job. No, I mean, you don't. You don't you you don't get that many opportunities to to have a crack at it. You know, I mean, Reggie McKenzie was a GM with the Raiders and he hasn't been a GM since. You know, I mean, he he gets let go. He's in the Miami Dolphin organization right now, but he's not the GM. So, I mean, you get that opportunity to get it right. And if you get it right, great. Then you're good. If you don't, you know, then you're not. And so you don't want to go into a situation where you're set up for failure. So I guess he looked at that 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 job in Chicago and said, yeah, thanks, but no thanks. I'm glad you say that because so many times you do look at it and there's so many coaches or GMs where it's just, now who expected them to actually win with that roster? And then they never get a shot at it because you take over, let's say, like the New York Jets. Right. And then you go 12 and 30. And, and you never, <laughs> like, I don't know. I'm sure Todd Bowles' record is probably something similar to that. No, it's not very but, good. Yeah, but it's not it's very like, good at all. You got Ryan Fitzpatrick and geno smith and then people like he was a bad head coach right look what i was working with well i mean no you're right you're right but i mean that that was that was the situation he put himself into you know he went there and he took that job and sometimes when you want to be a head coach so bad there's only 32 of them so it looks good to you well in this situation i feel like ed dodds is in a good situation with the colts and says you know what i'm pretty comfortable where i'm at under chris ballard i don't need to go and just jump at any gm job just to jump at it so i think and i respect the fact that he's taking his time making a decision and if he doesn't like the situation Pulls his name out. Again, uh, he pulled his name out of the Panthers' c- consideration last year, and this year he's c- uh, pulling himself out of the the, uh, the Bears situation. So there you go. So we'll talk to J.J. Stankovitz about Ed Dodds and also Matt Eberflus, defensive coordinator Matt Eberflus of the, of the Colts. He is a guy that 
a lot of teams around the league are asking for uh, you know interviews with. I know he's interviewed a couple times with the with the Jaguars or has another one set up with the Jaguars. I think he has one with the Broncos lined up. I mean, he's got a lot of different interviews and requests. The Bears, as a matter of fact, how funny is that? That Dodds turned down the Bears, but Eberflus has a, bear, a request for the Bears. And hey, it's I'm, like when you're looking at a woman, I can change it. I can change it. <laughs> I'll be the one that turns it around. Yeah, sounds good. He's like, yeah, man, I'll let you handle that thing. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. You know, Tigers don't change their stripes. But, no, so that's interesting. So Eberflus has is, is got a nice laundry list of teams that are interested in him. So we'll uh, we'll talk to J.J. about Eberflus and Dodds, and that's coming up at 3 o'clock. Then our guest lineup will close up with Paloma Villacana from Fox 5 Sports. We talked to her each and every week talking about UNLV, and they picked up another victory. I thought of you as soon as I saw the, the blowout that they had the other day. I thought – DeMond would be so proud, and he's probably thinking, what, Q? What, Q? San Jose State's just not a very good team? What? I'll say it. We beat bad teams, and that's <laughs> what you're supposed to do. That is true. Yeah. That is true. Play a bad team, getting them out of here, blowing them out. There you go. Just got to, you know, put that same mentality and effort into some of the good ones. Well, you know what? They barely lost to Fresno State. Barely. I mean, they they were— San Diego State barely they lost. Were in, I mean, yeah, so they're, it's not like they're getting blown out. They're not on the wrong end of the blowouts. They're, I mean, when, they, when they're in a blowout, they're winning. They're, and they're close in these other ones. So they got to find a way just to overcome those close losses. Try to get over the hump and, and get those. If they can, they'll be a really good team. I mean, they're sitting in sixth place right now in the Mountain West. It's not bad. It's not, not bad, bad for a team that's just really still trying to gel. And by the way, came off of what, COVID a week ago. And now they're playing three games in five days. It's looking bright. The future's looking bright. I mean, Who knows, man? You get the gelling at the right time. The Mountain West tournament comes about. Shock the whole conference. Okay, well, they got Air Force coming up tomorrow, and then what do they have uh, at the end of the week on Saturday? I believe they have – oh, they have uh, San Jose State again. There you go. That's right, San Jose State here. They were on the road for San Jose State. Two wins in a row. They'll be on the road. Well, they got Air, Air Force tomorrow no, on the road. That's a win. Okay. So that means they'll be riding, what, a three-game winning streak? Three-game okay. win streak. All right, well, we'll get Paloma's thoughts coming up at 3.30. That's what we do, and that's our guest lineup right there. Phil Perry, NBCS Boston at 2.30. J.J. Stakovitz at, from Colts.com at 3. And Paloma Villacano closes us out from Fox 5 Sports at 3.30. Now it's time to jump into the opening drive. The opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920 is brought to you by Southern Nevada Chevy Dealers, home of the Chevy Silverado, the strongest, most advanced Silverado ever. Got a couple different topics I wanted to bring to the table today, and of course there's one that's been talked about all day long, and that's the tuck rule. Happened 20 years ago today. I think every single one of us knows exactly where we were, and Damon, even at 25, you probably know where you were when the tuck rule happened, that uh, famous game. Where are you probably still playing out in the street or doing something? Who knows what you were doing? I know you weren't lifting no weights at five years old. <laughs> or maybe you were. No, that's exactly maybe you were lifting happening. some paint cans or something. <laughs> some little Hanging out with some rocks around the house or something. I don't care about the AFC championship game. I got to get my lift on. Yeah, five There you years go. Old. You were getting your lift on at five years old. But no, the tuck rule game was played 20 years ago today. Everyone knows it was a fumble. I know there's a documentary coming out. Uh, Charles Woods and Tom Brady is going to be on it February 6th. I, I get that. And and I know I'm sure a lot of people are going to watch it. I know my guy, uh, Jason Fitz from ESPN, he's actually going to be uh, airing a, a special on the tuck rule. And then on top of that, having a little Q&A session following it where he's going to be narrating it. But I... I, I I think everyone who's honest with themselves understands that that was a fumble. Patriot fans understand that was a fumble. Sounds like you're not too excited about it. No, because, I mean, I know Are you, how it are you one of those bitter fans no, that's just, just like, I, just, I won't even watch it? No, I've, I've watched the Tuck Rule game all the time, but it's like I know how it ends. You know what I mean? It's, it's like watching the Titanic. You know what happens. It sinks. 
Yeah, but you know, it's going to be a nice little story. I know Lincoln's involved. Seen Lincoln in the trailer. Okay. You know, it's going to be. Hey, come on. So man. are you excited? About, no, you're yeah. probably excited because you didn't see it. Yeah, I wasn't there live. Exactly. I wasn't, I wasn't I was, on the edge of my seat. I, I wasn't. was driving my car. I remember exactly where I was on the 99, headed back from the radio station from Visalia, California to Fresno, California, listening to Greg Papa call the game on the radio when that happened. And I had to pull over. I might have kicked my doors a couple times. I was a little angry. I was. But that was, again, 20 years ago. So, I mean, I'll watch it because it's on. It's 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 Raider content, so I'll, I'll watch it. But I think we all know how it all shakes out. So it's not, to me, it doesn't get me as fired up as it gets some people. That's just me, though. Ah, oh, man, yeah, you bitter still. No, no, it's not, it has nothing to do with bitter. Believe me. Trust me. I'm, I'm, <laughs> there's plenty of things for me to be bitter about in life, and it, that tuck rule ain't it. It just ain't going to do it for me. But, I'll, I'll, like I said, I'll watch it. I don't even like hard knocks. I, I watch when the when the Raiders... Truth, let the truth be told. When the Raiders were on Hard Knocks, that was the first time in my life I ever watched Hard Knocks. And I love football. I never watch Hard Knocks. Come on, all music. No. Is this guy going to make the team? I can't do the voice. But the come only on, man. reason I watched Hard Knocks was because the Raiders were on it and because I felt like I had a responsibility to watch it just so I knew what was going on. That's it. And to, for the record, it was probably, and I heard, it was one of the worst editions of. Hard knocks ever. Well, Antonio Brown was must see TV. No, was he? Yes. It was not. Cryo he wasn't didn't... even on there that much. Oh man, when he cryoed his feet, screaming, "I'm free! I'm free!" Oh, you're, oh. you you like you just like uh, terrible reality TV. Yes, man. exactly. And I love it when it's just like, "Hey, uh, you're a big that, eighteen year old schoolgirl." When something. you get that knock on the door, uh, bring your playbook. Oh no, I've been rooting for this guy since the start of training camp. Are you serious? So that hard knocks was good for you. Yeah, you I, enjoyed that. I'm one. a hard knocks fan, man. Like I said, Q, well, you don't watch the show. When somebody gets that, bring your playbook. I don't oh, see, but I don't man. need to see that. I don't need to see all that. Come on, the drama of is this guy going to get cut? I'm not really a big drama guy. I like more comedies. I'm a comedy man. guy. But then you think somebody's getting cut, and it's just like, congratulations, you made the team. Okay, it's but like, did anybody get cut from that edition? I'm glad we're brought, talking about this. Did anyone get cut from that hard knocks from the Raiders? That you were like, oh my gosh, I didn't see that coming. That was a big surprise. I mean, what's his name that's always exactly. around the practice Exactly, what's his squad? name? Is it Doss? Okay, exactly. Yeah, I mean, he was on that season. I, just, I thought he was going to make it. Why? Well, what did he show you that you thought he was going to make it besides see, it was a good story? That's the, that's the thing, the stories, man. Well, stories get, don't win games. I stories don't win TV games. Show. Stories, okay, exactly. That's why I'm not worried about it. Keelan Doss, we talked about this yesterday. Guys that fans love for no apparent reason. <laughs> Keelan Doss, example 1A. I'm glad you brought this up. We can continue the convo. So he no, did I can't nothing. Be he did nothing for the team, but everyone was, oh, my God, go get Keelan Doss. I can't believe you let hometown him go to Jacksonville. Kid. Oh, man. If every hometown kid was signed by the team, then they'd have a bunch of guys that were just there. <laughs> This guy don't like to be entertained, y'all. I had a I had a co-host that I used to work with, Zach, and he used to he he used to hate the storyline that he hated. You wanted to get him, set him off, and get like that trigger going. Tell him that oh he's get this guy gets to go back home. He'll play better at home. And the guy and Zach would say like okay, so he doesn't play worth a damn here, but he's gonna play better because he's home. Home is better. <laughs> you know who they said that about too? They said that about uh, homeboy that the the Raiders drafted out of Sam Houston State. Remember the dude who uh, and the Texans ended up picking him up? He was from Sam Houston State. He was the, uh, oh, man, he was a second-round pick, and he was surprised he was a second-round pick. You know who I'm talking about. Man, I forgot his name now. I liked him. Shocking. I liked him, right? He didn't do anything. And then all of a sudden he, gets, he goes back to Houston, and everyone's like, oh, man, he's going to play better now he's home. No, he didn't. He's not good. Just wasn't a good player.
You never, you, you don't just play better because you went home all of a sudden. No, you, either you get better or you don't. I can't even remember his name now. All right, so you don't like good heartwarming stories. That's okay. No, because they're, they're, I don't need the Hallmark Channel. I mean, Hunter I Renfro, he looked good that season. And he still looks good. Exactly, but somebody could I knew he was good when he got drafted. You didn't know. If I you did. Would, if you would have watched Hard Knocks, no, you probably could have been no, like, yo, I see I it. Knew, I watched him when he was at Clemson, when he won a national championship against Alabama. That's what told me he was good. All right, Not well, Hard say, Knocks, well, what he did on the football field in real life. That's what made me know he was good. How are you supposed to get the casual fan cue? I don't give a damn. I'm not the casual fan. I'm just talking about the TV show. That's why I said I don't like it. It's not for me. I mean, you sound like a hater. That's fine. I'll, I'll hate her. You know what I hate? I hate the Hallmark Channel. Every Christmas, the wife, that's all she watches. And you know what? I can tell you what the story is right now. One guy hates Christmas. One woman loves Christmas. One guy's rich. One woman's poor. One guy has an opportunity to get a great job here. Someone wants to stay in this small town city. And then all of a sudden they fall in love and they decide to give up their wealth and their opportunity for love and Christmas. Story over. That's how everyone goes. Every single one of them. You could be playing the guy. I could be playing the guy. The story ends the same. Bada boom, bada bing. Well, you got it's me a there. hell of an opening drive. You got me there. <laughs> we got off to a hell of a start today, didn't we? I mean, you beat me. That you beat me. I mean, because you're right. I mean, I've watched those movies too, and they are they're all, the, all same. the same. And what's funny is that one character, and it's usually the one from Full House, one of those uh, females from Full House back in the day, or one of those shows, will play. You know, the 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 girl that loves Christmas in one movie. Then as soon as that one's over and the next one starts rolling, she's the exact opposite. At least spread them out a little bit. They got these people working double duty. There's like eight people in our hallway right now. Like, why is this dude talking about the Hallmark Channel? This guy doesn't like reality TV, doesn't like to be, you know, moved moved to tears by a good emotional tale. I mean, come on, Q. You got to lighten up, man. Come on. I so guess if I'm, the Raiders were the hard knocks team for next season, I, would, I would not want to watch it. Wouldn't wa- wouldn't. I would watch it because it's my responsibility. I wouldn't want to watch it because I want to be entertained. If I want to be entertained, I'll turn on Law & Order SVU. I mean, oh, and that's entertaining. It was. Oh. Hell, I watched Queens last night. That was not a good show, by the way. <laughs> Shout out to Brandy. Detective Benson, we need you on the case. Yes. For 20 Ice years T. in a row. No, Ice-T. Ice-T's my guy. Ice-T's so my guy. So you're telling me yes. that this guy does yes. this and yes. that? Yes. Law and Order SVU is way better than Hard Knocks ever will be. Bottom line. Theme song and that's it. Uh, theme song, show, everything. Dum, dum. Yeah, you know every word to it. You're talking bad, but you know every word. Anywho. Let's get back to the topic. So since we already come to grips with the tuck rule, we understand what that is, and I know everyone's going to talk about it all day. I wanted to ask Raider Nation this straight up. There's been a lot of games that the Raiders have lost. There's been a lot of games that have had controversial endings, like the tuck rule. There's been a lot of crazy in the history of the Raiders, right? And then there's just some games that you just flat out wish the Raiders had won. So if you can go back, Raider Nation, I'm giving you this choice. I'm giving you this option. If you could go back and change the outcome of one game in Raiders history, not multiple games, one game in Raider history, what would it be? Would it be the Tuck Rule game? Would it be the Super Bowl? Would it be the game on Saturday? I mean, there's all kinds of games that you can go back and look at and say, if only the Raiders had won that game, what if? So that's what I want to know. That's one question. I want to know. I got another question, but I'll get to that in a little bit. 
We'll spread it out a little bit. So 702-365-9200. Let us know. You could change one game, one outcome of one game in Raiders history. What would it be? Salmon ass text line wide open like some old school TV antenna, 69187, keyword R&R. We got a ton of text messages. Vegas Q said, you're talking about PJ Hall. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Should have done hard knocks for Raiders 2020 when they made the big move. Eh, could have. But like I said, I'm not a hard knocks guy. Like, I, was that? I'm glad you, you, you responded with that. Was, was hard knocks good to you? That, let, let's throw that one out there, too. When the Raiders were on Hard Knocks, were you entertained by it or was it just meh? Because to me, it was just meh. It was just okay. It was just all right. It was something that I didn't have to have. Got a text from East Bay Raider Gray. My few Raiders that I love but weren't that good. Ricky Dudley, Denarius Moore, and North Turner. Hey, Ricky Dudley used to get our, uh, his haircut at the same spot myself and Eric Allen used to get our haircut in Hayward, California at Gums. And I saw Ricky Dudley not too long ago in Texas at a fantasy football convention, and I asked him about the barbershop. He's like, oh, yeah, that's, that's the one in Hayward. And so we started talking about that. So Ricky Dudley, man, that guy had all the potential, didn't he? Had the size, had the strength. He was like you, Demond. He was super strong, but he couldn't catch a lick. He couldn't catch a cold outside naked. You know what I'm saying? He, was, uh, he couldn't catch a cold. But the, he was kind of like Andre Holmes. He'd catch the tough ones, but he wouldn't catch the easy ones. But I liked him a lot. I did like Ricky Dudley, though. Denarius Moore, he was really good. Hugh Jackson made him really good. He's from East Texas. But Denarius Moore was really good. And then when he left the Raiders, I think he went to the Bengals, he wasn't very good anymore. Nor, uh, Hugh Jackson put him in a position to succeed. He found out what he did really well, and he, used the, he, he did a great job getting the most out of him. And you know what? I always will credit Hugh Jackson for that. He got the most out of a lot of guys that didn't do anything after they left the Raiders. Like Jacoby Ford. Shout out to Jacoby Ford. Like Denarius Moore. Like Jason Campbell. I mean, he, he made chicken out of, well, you know the rest. I had to think about that before I messed it up. 702-365-9200. Who we got up? As you, while you're laughing, who we got up? Sean in Vegas. Sean, right here in Vegas. What's your mama, man? Oh, man. D-9. I just talked to him. D-9. All right, passing the radio. You better be there. <laughs> What's up, man? Oh. Oh, you know I'm here. You know I'm here, Q. Demond, what's happening, man? Hey, Q, I'm like you, man. Screw them Harmar channels, man. I don't watch none of that. And the Lifetime channel, too. Put that in with it. We ain't on that over here. Okay. Hey, 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 hey Q, man, we, we all hearing all this chatter, man. You know, you're, you're a fan from heart. I'm a fan from heart, man. You know, the, it, this has been like this for 20 years. The last week, after the last week, we heard for a little bit. But we know some changes is coming, man. I got to believe in my heart. Mark had a plan laid out. Didn't expect this team to do what it did. Now some hard decisions are going to have to get made. That's just the way I see it. He wants to be in that Super Bowl in 2024. He knows that's there. This team has too many alphas in that locker room right now. These guys have tasted winning. We're not going to take steps back. Regardless who comes in as our next coach, as our next GM, whoever it is, this locker room is hungry. And for DC's brother to go on there and put that thing of people bringing jerseys in, that's a smack to them guys in the room. Because these guys are playing for the shield. They want to win. They want to win. This ain't no daycare, daddy daycare, we're going to throw down and cry. No, these boys are ready to play and win. They feel it. They tasted it. They know what it takes. They know what it takes to win. 
All right, good stuff, man. Appreciate you. I didn't. I wasn't even aware about the the jersey thing. I, I'm. I ain't worried about that. That's that's is just a clip from a movie. Yeah. Oh well, there you go. That's why I'm not aware of it. Because uh, did I'm you not, watch Rudy? Uh, it was just a clip from Rudy where they all throw their. It's just. I got you. All right. They people, so someone put that on Twitter. Uh, Darren, Derek, Derek Carr's brother, Darren Carr. D- Darren. Yeah. Or David. The uh, it's I the one know. that played football or not. The one that didn't play football. Okay, Darren. So no okay. All right. Okay. That's yeah. cool. But yeah, so yeah it's I wasn't just, aware of that. It's just a little clip from the you. movie. No, I got you. So he's just saying, my brother made it to the playoffs with this coach. Yeah. Oh, they should keep that coach. Got you. Got it's you. Not, not that big of a deal. No, it's, it's really not. Good stuff. I like that. Uh, we got a text from Junebug from the Bay. Who doesn't have a cousin Junebug? I know, even you. Even <laughs> you. Know you. You know you got a cousin Junebug. Hell, you might be him. <laughs> you might be him, Damon. Damon, a.k.a. Junebug. Now, here we go. Junebug from the Bay says, the game I would change has to be the Baltimore AFC Championship game. I think the Raiders begin a dynasty if Tony Saragusa doesn't fall on Rich Gannon. Boom. That's a great one. That is a fantastic one. I, I think that I would have to, you know, have that one up there as well. That would be in my top three for sure. Like I said, picking one is tough, right? The Raiders have such a history that picking one game that you would change the outcome of is very, very difficult. But that's a good one, Junebug. I like that. Let's take one more call before we get to Phil. 702-365-9200. Who's up next? Fabian. Fabian! What's up, Doc? My cue. Come <laughs> on. How are you guys doing today? We're blessed. Okay. So, one game I would change. No doubt. Super Bowl in San Diego against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yes, sir. I was there. Ooh. I was. Uh, I, I walked around the stadium for an hour after the game. Hmm. Give me a do-over. <laughs> Move that game up one week. Instead of the Titans, they would have demolished Tampa Bay. So give me a do-over on, on the Super Bowl. Not gotcha. I like it. I like it. Thank you so much. Uh, yeah, and you know what? Uh, don't get don't let uh, Barrett Robbins have any time to, to roam free in Mexico, right? Don't let him leave San, uh, San Diego. To head to Mexico. That was the beginning of the end right there. You knew it was all bad when that happened. So, yeah, but like I said, there's multiple games that you could think of throughout the course of your watching uh, history with the Raiders that you could say, you know what, that one really stands out to me. It could be the Super Bowl because that was the last one, and that would have been a championship. I get that one. But there's other games that have already been mentioned that may have got you on a roll, and you might have won multiple. So if you're, if you're a gambler, if you like to, you know, triple-double diamond, maybe you go for a game that, that keeps the, the party rolling for a few years instead of just getting one. So that's what I want to hear from you again. Sam and Ash, text line 69187, keyword R&R. Uh, Raider Nation listener line 702-365-9200. Don't call just yet, though. Phil A. Perry from NBCS Boston. He'll join us next to talk all things, well, some Patriot players, play, not players, but coaches and, uh, and front office executives that may be headed towards the silver and black. We'll talk about it next. This is Raider Nation Radio 920. That was the opening drive of Necessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Brought to you by Southern Nevada Chevy Dealers, home of the Chevy Silverado, the strongest, most advanced Silverado ever. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today. Here's your boy Q. Right now we're efforting Phil Perry from NBCS Boston. Give us a rundown on Dave Ziegler. Give us a rundown on Gerard Mayo. What should we know about these guys? Damon, who's still caught up on the Hallmark Channel and Hard Knocks, is working the phone lines over there. So we'll get to Phil as soon as Damon gets him on the line. Had a lot of people hit me up during the commercial break. Let me know they appreciated that rant about the Hallmark Channel. Apparently a lot of you 
have to suffer like I do and get too much uh, homework during the Christmas time. It's one of the things I look forward to the least ever. But that's another story. I did throw out the question. If you could change the outcome of one game in Raiders history, what would it be? Obviously, today is the 20-year anniversary of the tuck rule. Got a lot of great answers on the Sam and Ash text line at 69187, keyword R&R. Glenn in San Jose. Hey, Q and Demon. Let me go old school. I would change the 1977 AFC Championship game versus the Broncos so that Rob Lytle would have been caught fumbling at the goal line and then Raiders would have whooped up on the Cowboys and win back-to-back Super Bowl titles. That is taking it back, Glenn. That's taking it back so old school that I think I was one when that happened. At best. <laughs> At best, I was one. So I don't remember that one, but that's cool. I like that. Again, there's multiple reasons and multiple things you could think of besides just, oh, well, I just picked the Super Bowl because it was a championship. There's a lot of different games that the Raiders have that you could definitely go back and change. East Bay Raider Gray said, the game I would change is the tuck rule game because Justin Seawood said that team was the best and most talented team of those years and should have went on a run. Gruden probably never would have got traded. No Super Bowl loss. Got to be the tuck rule game. That team was really, really good. <laughs> got this one's pretty funny. Q is the Grinch. Signed the Hallmark Channel. I can appreciate that. That's good stuff. Uh, how about this one? Martin in Arizona. Q, I changed the tuck rule game. That, changed, that game changed the landscape of the NFL for 20 years. Raiders win that game. Tom Brady likely doesn't become the GOAT. I like that. The Mailman Raider said, I like this one. This one's a really good one. I've talked about this multiple times on the show. I would change the game where Jason Campbell got hurt. If he doesn't get hurt, who knows what happens with that team? That, again, was that team led by Hugh Jackson. Hugh Jackson goes out and makes the crazy trade for Carson Palmer. It should have never happened. Never happened. I remember when that trade went down. I was working at a hip-hop station in Texas, and I remember my program director was so excited because he thought Carson Palmer was the end-all, be-all. He said, man, your Raiders about to do it. They went and got Carson Palmer. I said, what has Carson Palmer done in the last year? He's sitting on the couch. Oh, no, man. He's, he's about to take the Raiders to the next level. I said, look, man, I'm not one, I'm not a Carson Palmer fan. But two, how do you expect this dude just to come in off the street and all of a sudden just throw the ball around the yard and make it happen? Well, we all saw how that shook out. And he didn't end up, end up being worth the salt at all. And really didn't get his feet under him until he ended up going to Arizona. When the Raiders moved him, sent him to Arizona, and he, uh, he got with Bruce Arians. That's when he really started to shine. So, yeah, that didn't work. That didn't work out at all. Pass that number on to you. Let's see. We got another one from <laughs> uh, Big Dub Raider. Said the one Raider game I'd go back and change would be the 2001 AFC Championship game. That Saragossa flop on Gannon changed everything. Yep, that was a big one. That was a big one. I uh, got another text from the 408. This is funny. Every Raider fan lived Rod Streeter, loved Rod, Rod Streeter th- through those slim years. That's true. Rod Streeter, and to his credit, he, he worked his tail. That's the thing about it. Like I say that fans always like a guy that wasn't that great. Rod Streeter, Streeter worked so hard, and he tried everything he could to be the man. It's just sometimes you can't outdo your talent. And he was good, but he just wasn't great. And all those guys, they all really worked hard. And they gave it everything they got. The Raiders just didn't have a lot of talent in general. But you knew the guys that were out there competing. So that's why you root for them. 
Uh, Geese said, the one game I definitely love to see change is the snowball. Raiders win the tuck rule in Foxborough. Gruden never leaves the first time we'd be talking about a Raider dynasty instead of Patriots dynasty. And that's very possible. Now, as we all know, if you win one game, doesn't mean that you're going to win the next year just because the team's really good. I mean, it's very difficult to repeat. But as you said, that team looked like it was very stacked. And if the tuck rule never happens, John Gruden never leaves, in my opinion. He never leaves until he's ready to leave. And I definitely think that the Raiders win the Super Bowl that year, but just don't know. We're going to take a quick break because apparently we're having trouble getting a hold of Phil. So we're going to take a quick break, see if we can get him in the commercial break and come on back. 2.36 is the time. This is Raider Nation Radio 920. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today. Here's your boy Q. 2.38 is the time here on Raider Nation Radio 920. DeMond Cotton and your boy Q. And right now we got to dip into a little bit of New England Patriot talk. And we do that with my guy Phil Perry from NBCS Boston. And Phil, thank you so much for your time this afternoon. We do appreciate you. And wanted to reach out to you for multiple reasons. First, let me ask you, since the Patriots just wrapped up their season, Mac Jones, his rookie year, all in all, what did you think of the performance from the rookie out of Alabama? Uh, I, I thought he passed with flying colors. I, I know the end of the year was not the end of the year that he wanted to have right. with multiple turnovers in terms of you know those big game losses, really, to the Bills and Colts and Dolphins in the regular season. And then in the final game itself, you know nobody really played um, all that effectively, but I, I thought he was really arguably their best player. It, it was him and Kendrick Bourne, and, and they were two of the, the few guys who actually showed up to play in that game. I think he showed that he's pretty tough that he's got some resolve to him. I mean, we knew coming out of the draft that he was an accurate passer mm-hmm. of the football. We knew he was smart. What we didn't know was really how he would serve in this role where you are a de facto leader, even if he wasn't a captain by name. I mean, it, you might as well be. When you're a starting quarterback in the NFL, that's, that's part of the gig. And I thought he handled that part of his job really, really well. When, when you hear some of the things that we heard from players like Matthew Slater and Devin McCourty and Dante Hightower really all year mm-hmm. when it comes to just how uh, beyond his years this, this guy is in Mac Jones, uh, I think that speaks volumes. So I, I think they've got a, a real player on their hands. They just need to, they need to add pieces around him, guys, to make sure that, that they're really maxing out what they're getting from him. Yeah, well, he, he caught my attention. I mean, I, I watched him in Alabama a lot, but he caught my attention when uh, he made Cam Newton expendable. <laughs> you know what I mean? When when <laughs> when they moved on yep. from Cam as quickly as they did, I thought, okay, this guy's going to be a real player. Obviously, Belichick sees something in him that, uh, that he likes. So uh, that was that. So Mac Jones had a, a really good rookie year for the Patriots. I wanted to ask you about Dave Ziegler. He's in the player personnel department. He's uh, the de facto GM, but we all know it's Bill Belichick is the guy. So uh, as the Raiders have an opening at their GM spot after Mike Mayock was fired on Monday. Uh, what if if the Raiders are interested in Dave Ziegler? What would they be getting in him? What does he do, and what does he mean for the Patriots? We're getting somebody with a scouting background, right? And I think that's that's important to note first and foremost because there is seemingly, uh, you know, these these two different paths that you can take when you're trying to find someone to lead your front office. And you can have somebody with a scouting background, or you can have somebody with a cap background and the the money management part of the job and that that i think has a ton of value i think they both have value it's just a question of philosophically who do you want organizing not just your cap but building your roster and 
Dave Ziegler, you know, certainly has experience in both of those areas, but he's, you know, he, he has served in the scouting department for a number of years here in New England, and he's somebody who I think has, has been able to work his way up the ladder here in New England because of his ability to convey his opinions very clearly and concisely. And that may sound simple, but in a building like the one they have at One Patriot Place, where Bill Belichick oversees all, it can be tough to be definitive in what it is you're, you're going to say because you're going to have to back it up. And a lot of times, there's, you know, I think the, the general inclination for people there is to defer to Bill right. and to tell him what he wants to hear. And from my understanding, that, that has not been the case with Dave Ziegler, and I think he's been rewarded because of that. I think that's the reason he is the guy that's you know, outside of Bill Belichick running that front office right now. So they've got a lot of help there. You know, Elliot Wolf has had a big role with the Patriots the last couple of years. You know, everybody knows his dad, Ron Wolf, and, mm-hmm. and uh, what he's done in the, over the course of the history of the league. You guys obviously know that. Right. Um, uh, Matt Groh, his dad, Al Groh, you know, longtime friend of Bill Belichick, coached with Bill Belichick for many years. Uh, he's had a big say in things in terms of how things are being done on the scouting side. But Ziegler has been the guy this year, and, and he had big shoes to fill with Nick Casario leaving, who, who had a number of different roles for the Patriots. And, you know, Dave's not performing all of those. Nick Casario was a, was a de facto coach, really. He's on a headset during games. Right. And, you know, was participating in practices and things like that. And, and Ziegler's not doing as much of that as, uh, you know, even though he did do some of it in training camp. You know, he was a very accomplished college football player, low level uh, at John Carroll Division Three, but, but he knows what he's doing when he's out on the football field. And so, um, you know, I think he, he brings a good, um, diverse, the rooted in scouting background that, uh, that really would, would serve a team well. I, I, think he's a, I think he's a fine general manager candidate because, you know, he was in large part the general manager for the New England Patriots this year where they just had a massive offseason and went from being a 7-9 and nine team to finding their quarterback of the future and building a playoff team. And, again, it didn't end the way they wanted it to, but – they were in the driver's seat in the AFC just right. a few weeks ago. Yeah. And so uh, I think this year is a pretty good year for him to have on his resume. How how um, much do you think that the multiple teams throughout the course of the league might want to talk to him? I know that, like I said, I know the Raiders put in a request to talk to him, but is he being heavily sought after right now? You know, I think um, not compared to some other guys, but okay. I think, you know, he'll, he'll end up having interest from a handful of teams here. Um, and, again, I think it – I think – what he did this past offseason caught people's attention uh, because there was, guys, there was this very clear and, and stated change in terms of how they did things, and there was more of a collaborative approach. That was sort of the, those were the buzzwords used this offseason. Robert Kraft was very open with us talking about this leading up to the draft about how they were doing things differently this offseason. And so what does that mean? That means, you know, it's not just the Bill Belichick show. Mm-hmm. And so that collaborative approach, you know, is, is a lot of different people having their say, but, but it starts with Ziegler, really. Um, and, you know, then you get Wolf and you get Grow and you get some of these other guys. Steve Cargill is a very respected guy, pro scout here in New England. And um, so there's a lot of smart people in that building still, even though they have had several guys take off for other jobs. And he's right at the center of that approach. So, you know, it doesn't surprise me at all that, that the Raiders and a few other teams here, I would expect over the next couple of weeks, um, uh, show some interest in him. 
Talking right now with Phil Perry here on Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920. My man Demond's got a question for you. Yeah, Gerard Mayo has also been requested to get an interview for the Raiders for their head coaching position. And I've got to ask, we've seen the track record with former Bill Belichick assistants, how they come in, they try to run it just like Bill, and it doesn't seem to work out. Brian Flores in Miami, Matt Patricia in Detroit. So is there anything different about Gerard Mayo's style that maybe he won't fall into those same traps as some of those other Belichick assistants? That, that's something that I can say pretty confidently. You get a very different style in terms of the approach and the personality from Gerard Mayo. Now, he is a Bill Belichick guy and that he was drafted by Bill Belichick and played for him for a long time, and now he's coached under him for a few years. But if you know Gerard Mayo, uh, and we do, we had the, the fortune of, of, of being able to work with Gerard on the media side of things. He actually worked with us at NBC Sports Boston for several years, he was an analyst. Uh, we had a lot of fun with him on air. He was a natural. And he is, you know, when you think of the Bill Belichick personality, you're going to think of the complete opposite end of the spectrum with Gerard Mayo. I can promise you that. I think I just got off the phone with a, with a player um, who, you know, played under Gerard on that side of the ball and, and, uh, and knows him very well. And he said, you know, I think in terms of the energy and the youthful energy that you're going to get from Gerard, he's, you know, people shouldn't be thinking of him as a mini bill. Like he's more in the mold of some of these other coaches, even though he hasn't spent time with a Sean McVay mm-hmm. or a Matt LaFleur. Like that's the kind of energy. That's the kind of personality that I think you're going to get where player, it really resonates with players and especially the modern day player. I mean, you know, Bill Belichick, great as he is, I, th- I still think he's the best coach in the league. He's 70 years old. Right. You know, he's about to be 70 this spring. Gerard's 35. He's about to be 36 years old. So uh, he's going to be able to relate to guys. He's going to have a ton of energy. He's a highly intelligent, you know, not just football mind, but but mind, period. You know, he's been successful in business. He was successful with us in the media space. So uh, he's going to bring a lot to the table as a potential head coach. You know, and he's getting a lot of attention. You know, I know the Texans have tried to talk to him. I know that the Broncos talked to him today. I mean, he's been getting a lot of different requests and, and interview opportunities. And so do you feel like this could be the offseason where uh, you see multiple guys leave the Patriots, including Gerard Mayo? Uh, I do. I think it could be the year. And, you know, I think it's a question of our team's going to be able to get over the fact that he does not have a ton of coaching experience. I mean, that part is obvious. He, he, would, he would tell you that himself. But he was a coach on the field for so many years here. Um, and, and the fact that he, you know, very quickly was able to take a real leadership role here in New England, it is a little bit of a muddied hierarchy with Bill Belichick, obviously, as, as the primary defensive mind on the staff. But then Gerard Mayo and Steve Belichick essentially sharing defensive coordinator duties. You know, those guys basically – uh, split time is my understanding, running the defensive meetings. And there, there might be weeks where, you know, Steve Belichick is really the one kind of when he's addressing the defense, focused on the, the game plan um, and, and the calls that are going to go in that week. And, and Mayo will then get up and kind of be more on the personnel side of things, talking about the team's other players and um, what they bring to the table. You know, I think, I think it's a little bit of a complicated situation here as far as that stuff goes. But for him to be able to do a lot of that, and be able to, to show very clearly that he can command a room and be a true, you know, leader of men. That's something that this player that I just spoke to just, you know, continued to come back to. He, he will excel. Excel was the word he used as, as a leader of men. Uh, I think for him to be able to, to show that and do it in front of an experienced, you know, a, a new team in some ways, but a really experienced group, 
when you look at Dante Hightower and Devin McCourty and you know even Matt Judon, he's new to the team, but he's not new to the league. Right. Like you got to make these guys better. You got to show them that that you know your stuff as a coach. Yeah, you can have all the respect in the world as a player, but if you're not getting your players better, you know your message isn't going to resonate. Um, but that wasn't the case with Gerard. He, you know, he was really able to to make some real changes. Uh, for that defensive unit in the, the, the short time that he's been coaching. Talking right now with Phil Perry from NBCC, NBCS Boston here on NSA Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920. Just got a couple more questions for you. My man, Damon, he had mentioned Brian Flores. And I personally, I like Brian Flores. I like the job he did in Miami. I remember, and I'm sure you do too, in Atlanta after the uh, Patriots won the Super Bowl, he actually walked back to the team hotel uh, with his family. He didn't get on a bus. He didn't do any of that. He walked back and said, this is going to be the last time I'm going to be you know, just amongst friends and family just hanging out because he's going to go to Miami to take that job. What? How surprised were you that the Dolphins got rid of him? Very. You know, for, for him to earn them back-to-back winning seasons as the head coach there and after having taken over what was the biggest mess of a roster probably in the NFL to start 2019. Now, I remember being there for a Patriots game in 2019. It was, it was the one game Antonio Brown played with the Patriots, mm. and they blew them out, and that was a disaster of a roster. They played Josh Rosen in that game. It was a mess. <laughs> I, I, I couldn't believe that by the end of that season, that same team went to Gillette Stadium, beat the Patriots in the season finale, prevented the Patriots from getting a bye in the playoffs, and the next week the Patriots hosted the Titans and lost, and that was Tom Brady's last game in New England in large part because Brian Flores got that team to buy in, buy in quickly, and maximize the talent that they had, which wasn't much, to the point that they were able to knock off the greatest quarterback and greatest coach of all time in a real important game where, where they had a lot on the line. And so for him to then come back with two consecutive winning seasons, shocked that they moved on from him. But I, I will not be shocked at all when he gets a new job, and I, I'm anticipating that will happen very soon here. Yeah, Phil, so I'm imagining that you spent some time around him in New England. Do you think that there's any truth to the he rubbed people the wrong way, bad with people? Basically, they're just painting him out to be a guy who didn't talk to assistants or didn't want to be involved around people personally. Did you get that vibe from him, and, how, and do you think he gets another job this, this cycle? Uh, yeah, I just I, I flat out don't believe that. Just from knowing him as I know him as a person um, and from knowing the people that he worked with most closely – here in New England and the respect they have for him and the, the respect they have for his ability as a communicator. Is he, is he going to, is he going to, you know, be warm and fuzzy and, and tell everybody what they want to hear all the time? No, but he's honest. He's clear. He's Frank. Uh, I, I think, you know, players will still tell you uh, the ones that were, you know, here for that in 2018, when he was essentially running the defense, you know, you couldn't find a guy, who was more willing to collaborate than Brian Flores. And I know he wasn't the head coach in a different situation in Miami, but he was the de facto defensive coordinator that year. And instead of taking the reins himself and saying, this is going to be my show, he incorporated a lot of other guys that he had worked with for a long time and said, okay, we're going to divvy up the responsibilities here. And to a man, players will tell you, that was one of the, the cleanest seasons we've had from a defensive coaching standpoint. And it was because of what Brian Flores did really at the top. You know, he's working under Bill Belichick, but he had a lot of leeway. Bill likes to do this thing where he doesn't give out the titles. You know, first year, when you're a first-year defensive coordinator, you won't have that title <laughs> until your second year. It's a weird thing that he's done for a long time. 
But, you know, Flores was the defensive coordinator that year, and they had a great year, and they ended up holding the, their opponent in the Super Bowl to three points. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that's, you know, due in large part to Flores' ability to work with others. So that's why I have a hard time believing some of the stuff coming out of Miami. Yeah, I, I do too. I, I like him a lot. Again, I don't know him, and I didn't uh, get you know interact with him like you did. But uh, I just I just don't feel that that's the truth about Brian Flores, and I uh, can't wait to see where he lands. I know he'll land somewhere, and he'll do a good job wherever it is. But sounds like New England's got some guys that could possibly be landed somewhere else as well in uh, Ziegler and also in Mayo. Uh, we'll have to see how it all shakes out. Well, Phil, thank you so much for your time this afternoon, my man. Uh, what do you have coming out? You have anything dropping that uh, maybe Raider fans could look into just to get a little bit more background on some of these Patriots? Yeah, we'll be doing some stuff on um, Mayo for sure and Dave Ziegler as well. You know, you can follow me at Phil A. Perry on Twitter, and we'll have all sorts of stuff from our television shows. We're about to hop on TV right now and be nice. talking about these guys. So I appreciate you guys. You're going to be warmed up here. This is great <laughs> for me. Uh, and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll have some videos on those guys and some written content as well. So uh, go ahead and check me out at Phil A. Perry. That'd be great. No doubt about it. Hey, man, go knock them dead on TV. I appreciate your time. Uh, Thank you for the information. We appreciate you. Have a good one. All right, guys. Thanks for having me. All right, brother. There he goes. Phil A. Perry does a fantastic job for NBCS Boston. Getting ready to get on TV. That's how we do it. One job to the next job to the next job. You keep it moving. You keep it pushing. You got to go. Hey, I'm the mon, man. I work over here, man. I go over here, man. Then after that, I do that, man. You know what I'm saying? That's what you got to do. 255 is the time. This is Rare Nation Radio 920, man.